0: Welcome to the Gathering at Adele. Today's message is by one of our elders, Chris Martin. He is teaching us about revival. Hope you enjoy. For more information on the church, please visit gatheringadel.org.
1: Well, I've got good news and bad news. Good news is God still reigns. And the bad news is there's just not any bad news. Because as bad as it might be right now in your life, everything, everything, everything is temporary. Yeah. Everything. You won't worry about a mortgage payment. You won't worry about the bill collectors. You won't worry about your relationship with anyone when we're there. Yes. And your life, what does it say? The Bible says your life is like a vapor. It's here and it's gone. And then there's eternity. So all of this. Uh, Paul said, it's not, the, the sufferings of this present age are not to be even compared to the glory that will be, so there's no bad news. So, um, let's see if, oh, does it work? <gasps> this is awesome. So I want to give a shout out. Thank you for honoring the worship team. I want to give a shout out to the media team. Yes, 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 yes. You know, if, if they do it right, they're absolutely invisible. Does that make sense? Yeah. But if one thing goes wrong, first thing everybody does, turn around and look. Yeah. What'd you do wrong? And so I just want to honor you guys, and, and where did um, where did Levi go? Levi, where are you? He's, he's in the back. You are the man. So we had some technical difficulties with my slides, and he got it. nobody could fix it. So she got a teenager. That's what you do. That's right. That's right. So, anyway. When, uh, when I was a kid, we were raised pretty poor, and our entertainment was playing in a sprinkler in the summer. Did anybody else do that? You had a yeah. sprinkler? Yeah, that was our thing. So, w- But when I got older, I had a friend who had one of those above-ground pools, you know, the big round ones like this, and we would go over there, and one of the games that we loved to play was you'd start walking, and you start walking in a circle, and you go faster and faster, and faster, and then you could start running. It's hard, it was still hard, and you start running, and so you're going in the circle, and you're running, and all of a sudden, you have created this, this whirlpool, and you go faster and faster, and then you could just coast. And all the little kids, they didn't have a choice. They just got <laughs> caught up in it, because they're tiptoeing, and they're just being carried along by this vortex of water. And so we did that. So I want to use that sort of as a metaphor and, and just to keep in the back of your mind because I want to I want to talk today about revival, about roots and fruits. What are the, some of the roots of revival and what are some of the fruits? Um, you know, a lot has been said recently about the Asbury revival. Have you watched it on social media or perhaps you've read about it and some of the things that happened there and it has been... Amazing! It started out with one young man, gave a very simple message call for people to repent. And the response was overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelmed a poor little town of uh, 6,000 people and 60,000 people showed up. If you could imagine in the pister, you know, it's just right over there with the school. Could you imagine all of a sudden 60,000 people show up? There's, you know. The pister deli would not be able to handle that. And so, um, but it was overwhelming. So today, I I really, my goal is to pour some salt on you. I was going to bring a salt shaker, but I knew whoever sweeps would get mad at me. But I want to salt you, because salt makes us thirsty. And I want to salt you today with what's possible. With what uh, I think, I really sense, and I, I think many of you do too, that God wants to do something special. He wants to do it again. Yes, sir. Yes. yes, sir. And Kelly the set was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um but God wants to do something special because it's not the status quo. It's not well, I came to church today and I got my church box checked. That's not it. When God comes things change. Every as the, as the song said, every when you walk into the room everything changes. All right, and I promise those of you who know me really well know I'm a weepy guy, and I'm going to maintain control and composure as much as I can. But here's the thing that happened. It started at Asbury, and then before you know it, it spread to all these other campuses. Mm -hmm. Things started popping up here and there, and these young people crying out. And there was one report that over 20 other colleges caught this. That's amazing. That's amazing. The other amazing thing is it was all unplanned, unscripted. They didn't plan it. It's just God showed up and we're not leaving. Because truly, 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 when God shows up, you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. It was not centered on one denomination. We're going to take a look at that, some past revivals, and you'll find out there were even Presbyterian revivals. (laughs) Is it possible? There were Methodist revivals. There were even Baptist revivals. Um, so and I, I'm part of that. So let's look at this. So in 1730, it's called the Great Awakening. A guy named Jonathan Edwards and another man named George Whitfield. They said at the end of that, now this is 1730, so this is before 1776 and the American Revolution and all of that. So in the 1730s, they said 80% of the colonists that were there were able to hear the gospel, 80% of the people. Then in the 1800s to 1840s, they call it the Second Great Awakening, a man named Charles Finney was sort of at the center of that, they said uh, he led over 500,000 people to Christ by his preaching, it's half a million, one man, half a million, they said in one city in Rochester, New York, there was 100,000 just in that city, so it's crazy. This is another one, 1857-58, Businessmen's revival. That was just a guy who said, I, I think I get all the businessmen together during lunch to pray. And it broke out in revival. And they said because of that, as a result, over one million people were added to the churches because it spread and it caught on over here and it caught on over there and it spread. And there were many more salvations. Then the urban revivals, a man you might have heard of, Dwight L. Moody, we often quote him, hundreds of thousands were converted under his ministry. Then you probably have heard of the Welsh revivals. Well, it was started in Wales, and then it moved to the Welsh-speaking people in Pennsylvania in 1904, and a man named Billy Sunday, which you may have heard of, over one million people were saved under his preaching. See, God was doing something amazing. And then more recently, in the 60s and 70s, the Jesus Movement. How many of you have seen the movie, Jesus Revolution? Oh, you need to go see it if you haven't. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. So it's under Chuck Smith's leadership. It is an amazing movie. It was an amazing movement, even though the churches that we belong to, Carol and I, at the time, preached against it. Um, That's just what religion does. And then in the 1990s, there was the Vineyard movement, the Brownsville revival, through which I'm still being impacted by that today. We we got to be not part of it necessarily, but we were one of the other pockets of that. So that's just past revivals around our around the um, United States. But I want to look at revivals in Scripture, and I'm I'm not going to... Please understand, I I don't want to do a disservice to the Scripture, but there's so many of these stories span a couple of chapters that we're not going to read 500 verses today. I just want to pull stuff out, but as best I can, I'm not pulling things out of context. Please hear me, okay? This has to do with Solomon and the dedication of the temple. If you remember, um, David wanted to build God a house. He said, I live in a palace and God lives in tents. I want to build a house. But the prophet told him it's not for you to build. You're a man of bloodshed. You're a man of war. Your son will build it. But you can gather all the stuff. And David was, but he was happy. So he gathered all the wood and the gold and the silver and all the stuff that went into the fixings of the temple. And then Solomon rebuilt the temple. And in... um, 1 Kings 8 is the story. You may be familiar in verse... Whoop, sorry. There we go. In verse 11, where they were dedicating the temple, they did all of these sacrifices, and they brought the sacrifices in and laid it in the Holy of Holies on the altar of the, the temple, of the holiest of holies. It said, The cloud descended, and it was so thick. The priest could not perform their services because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the temple. Can you imagine if God just showed up and all of a sudden this place was filled with the glory of his presence? Verse 33, he, Solomon starts this prayer, and I want you to catch the, kind of the theme to this the prayer. He said, if your people... Talking to God, Solomon was. If your people are defeated by an enemy because they have sinned and they repent, hear from heaven and forgive them. And then he says, if there's no rain on the land because they have sinned and they repent, hear from heaven and forgive them. If there's a plague or a famine or a pestilence or an enemy comes to fight against them because they've sinned and they repent, hear from heaven and forgive them. You, you, you see in the theme here? Yeah. If your people go to war against their enemies, hear from heaven and plead their cause. See, they, they're crying out, Lord, we we need you. We need you. There were other things too in that, in that. for the sake of time, I just want to say there were other things in that prayer, but it's basically the same result. If your people repent, hear from heaven and forgive them. See, it, it's... it's That, If you remember, and I know it's a famous verse that we all know in 2 Corinthians 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, see, we all know it, and (laughs) seek my face, yeah, I will hear from heaven, yeah, so that was Solomon, so we go from Solomon to Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones, all right? And it said, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. I love this. Bones that were very dry. How dry were they? <laughs> he said, they were very dry. These weren't, I don't know what a wet bone would be as opposed to a dry bone. It's a bone. It's dead, okay? Okay. Then the Lord, he said, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you know. You're the one who knows. Then he said to me, prophesy to the bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. See, I hear a lot of people prophesying about the dead bones, how bad it is, how dry they are, how awful it is. Oh, look at our country, where we're going. It's awful. They're not prophesying to the bones. Who will stand up and say, live again in the name of the Lord? All right, so I prophesied. He's just doing what he said, what he was told. He's just doing what he's told. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise. So picture this. It's just bones everywhere in this valley, and he starts prophesying. And and the bones, the bones start rattling. Can you imagine? There's a rat. That scared the hooey out of me. But he's prophesying, and the bones start rattling. And the bones came together bone to bone, and I look, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So it's, it's getting there. There's this momentum. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. We really need to start prophesying to our nations. Prophesy to the dry bones, to those who've left church. I have a good friend of mine who's walked, basically walked away from faith. Dry bones. But I'm going to prophesy to them. Come and live. All right, moving on. Revival at Ephesus. This is a Amazing story, just a a, a little background. This is Paul, and he said, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left. That's pretty amazing on its own. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. This is a terrible idea, but let's read it. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. See, there was no relationship here. You cannot depend on someone else's relationship with God. It's one-on-one. We come together as a group to worship Him, but you know what? It's still one-to-one. You have to have your own relationship. Kids, you young people, especially, you can't rest on your parents' relationships. It's you and God. You can't rest on your spouse's relationship. My spouse is so close to God. Great. That's awesome. It's still you and God. Because here's what happened to these people who said, Well, I'm going to use what who Paul preaches. <laughs> The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this, and one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Wow. And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, seven against one. He jumped on them and overpowered them and gave them such a beating they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. It was a bad day. That was just such a bad idea for them. Um, But then, uh, let's see, I, I hope I have the rest of it. Yeah, okay, this is good. So when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Can you turn on the TV anymore and watch anything where you don't hear the name of Jesus used? As a cuss word. There is no fear in the name of Jesus anymore. But I'm not going to prophesy about the dry bones. I'm going to say, come God. Yes. Come Lord. Let your name be lifted up in honor. It says, many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. I don't know what that is, but 50,000 times anything is a big number. And you adjust that for inflation, I'm going to assume <laughs> that's, a, that's a large amount of money. My point here is we cannot treat the presence of God casually. He is still God Almighty. He is the one who loves me more than anything, but we cannot treat his presence casually. Okay, and then uh, oh, uh, the last scripture. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Is that not what we want? Let the word of the Lord spread widely and grow in power. Yes, what a great example of revival. And then finally, Nehemiah. If you have not read Nehemiah, And you're looking for a good book to read you don't need to go to amazon and buy something go to nehemiah and just read it find a version you like it is one of the greatest books the first half of it is one of the greatest books on leadership you'll ever read and then the second half is about rebuilding people coming back so nehemiah rebuilt the walls that's the first half and the rest of it is about the people come on back to the city so and the odd thing about nehemiah It's like in the first half of the Old Testament, it's like way before, you know, it's before Job and Psalms and Proverbs and all that. It is actually one of the the last books written. It's like Nehemiah and Haggai and Malachi were all kind of the same thing. Nehemiah is at the end because he rebuilds the city and then there's silence for a few hundred years and then boom, John the Baptist shows up on the scene. So the city's rebuilt then. This is where we find Nehemiah. So um, he gets the people together, and they stand in this square at the gate, at the water gate, I believe. there. So all the people are standing there. And Ezra the priest, he read the book of the law, get this, from daybreak until noon. Wow. <laughs> from, and they're standing in the square from daybreak until noon. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear. I love this. Making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. That is awesome. I love that. All right. Emphasis mine. All right. Then Nehemiah said, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. They got it. They understood it, and they were weeping. But Nehemiah said the day is holy. So what it was, this was a reestablishment of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, you may have heard it called. He said it's a time of celebration. So what they went and did for the next seven days, they celebrated. He said, eat the fat, drink the sweet, celebrate the Lord your God. And then In chapter 9, verse 1, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting, wearing sackcloth, putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God, get this, for a quarter of the day. And spent another quarter in confession and worshiping the Lord their God. So a day, they have a day and a night, twelve hours and twelve hours. So a day is twelve hours. So a quarter of that they read three hours. And then they confessed and worshiped for another three hours. So it's church was six hours. No complaints, okay? Church was six hours. This is just an amazing... Oh, and nobody whining... Okay, all right. That's really not in the scripture. So I'll move on. I put that in there. But, all right. So now, some other places God is moving. And this is amazing. Um, Brady mentioned Gary Gibson. Gary's a good friend of ours. And he is... I don't know what you call him. A missionary liaison? Is that it? He works for a missionary organization that goes around the world and they do evangelistic outreaches... In conjunction and cooperation with local pastors. In fact, he leaves a week from Thursday. A week from Thursday? Um, to go to Spain and Portugal and London and England, I think. But he said he was at a meeting where other guys had come back from their respective locations and they brought these statistics, and these are absolutely phenomenal when you take it into context. Egypt, which is 90% Muslim, they did one crusade. 1,388 salvations. This is just absolutely unheard of. Nepal, which is 89% Hindu, they had over 5,000 salvations. God is moving. In India, they had to have secret meetings. Now, this is in the north. In the south, it's, it's very, I don't know what you call it. It's very cosmopolitan, very technology-driven in the south and, you know, all of that. But in the north, it is still very backward Um, I went there with a friend of mine from India, and they had uh, all the women were out in the fields working, and they would have huts over to the side, and I was asking him about it. He said that's kind of new for them because they never let the women learn to read or write. But they now have these huts, so on their breaks, they go in there, and there's a teacher that will teach them to read and write. So it's a very diverse country, the North. And this was in the North, so they had to have secret meetings. But even in those secret meetings, there were 1,280 people saved. Oop, back up. In Cambodia, which is 93% Buddhist, they had over 5,000 salvations. Saudi Arabia, they had 60 salvations. And you think, well, that number's not very big. There has not been a Christian church there in Saudi Arabia anywhere for over 900 years. So they felt like this is amazing. God is moving. So, all right, so let's let's move on. Let's look at some characteristics. There are roots, and then there are fruits, and then there are some that are kind of a little bit of both. So, because, you know what, you can fake a revival, but you really can't make God show up. You can, When we were you know, being raised and we were good Baptist kids, we would say, we're having a revival next week. No, we're having a bunch of meetings next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it was. Unless God shows up, we're not having a revival. You understand, okay? Um, because you just can't force to, God to show up. So here are some of the characteristics. Repentance. That is, on all the revivals that I read about, studied about, Repentance is like the number one thing that's common among them all, people repenting, pouring out their hearts to God. And I know you've probably heard this, repentance is changing your mind, changing how you think, and that certainly is the definition, but it is changing how you think so it changes how I live. Because if it never gets to changing how I live, it probably wasn't real repentance, Lord, I repent. I'm going to change what I do. Because it changes, the way you think changes your attitude and changes your feelings and changes your values and changes eventually how you live. And as I said earlier, the suddenly, all that can happen in an instant. In an instant, you make a decision, I'm going to change. The other thing is radical obedience and Jesse, if you were at the camp out that Brady mentioned, Rad- Jesse taught about radical obedience. And I told him, you know, I, I don't know if that's, that's the term I agree with. Because radical obedience just means I'm uncomfortable with it. It's either obedience or disobedience. But there are things God calls me to that I would consider them radical because I'm really uncomfortable. I'm standing in line at Walmart and the lady in front of me has a boot. God says, pray for her. No, (laughs) that's radical obedience because I'm uncomfortable. How do I do that? How do I, pardon me, (laughs) ma'am. I know you're checking out here, but okay, radical obedience. The the other thing, you're familiar with the scripture where it says if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. I don't believe God was talking about self-mutilation. He was talking about what are those things that are in your life that are in the way. What is it that I need to pluck out of my life? What is it I need to cut off? Is it a relationship that's diverting my attention from where I'm supposed to be spending it? Is it TV? Is it social media? I realize I'm meddling. I'm just throwing things out. What is it, what is it that's in the way of my dedication to God? Cut it off. That's, that's radical obedience. Um, and the next thing is just desperation. Desperation. Many of those past revivals, they were formed during a time of either great trial or moral decline. And here we are. That's why I want you to there's no bad news. In the midst of this moral decline, it is a ripe opportunity for a revival. Okay? Um, Because, you know, people, truly people are hungry for a real encounter with the living God. They are hungry for that. And we give them plans and programs and, you know, do these 12 steps and read this book and all of that. And instead of, here, let's have a real encounter with the living God. Okay, another thing, and I'll move on. Prayer. Extended times, dedicated times of prayer, where we draw away and pray and pray and be intentional about it. There was there's a hunger for the word. I don't know if you've been there. I I have been where I've just so hungry I can't read it enough because God's just speaking through it. And I can't, you know, I'm gonna read some. Oh man, I can't stop there. And you gotta turn. It's a page turner when God's speaking. You just can't. That's that's one of the roots of this. People just dive into the word. Whoop, back up one. A shift in priorities. This I, I didn't like putting this one down because this impacted me. Um, because I'm I'm busy. Well, I'm busy, God. And then somebody says, "Hey, can you come do this?" And the first thing I have to do is consult my calendar. <sighs> Too busy too busy, but I tell you what, when God shows up, priorities change. Everything changes. Everything changes, and I've been there where it just didn't matter. There was was such a a shift because when you shift priorities, it's time, it's your resources. I even noticed it was the topics that I talked about because in revival... You know, it doesn't matter what the Cowboys or the Rangers or the Stars or the whatever team you cheer for. It doesn't really matter. It matters what God's doing. It affects your our topics that we talk about. Okay. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Let me. I coughed right into that instead of the other one. <coughs> Apologize. All right. And then there was just the presence of God. This morning, it was such a tangible presence of god that's where it it just starts and you can lose track of time i remember and and we have been in that sort of environment where, where it's just god's moving and i remember one time specifically i i sort of came to from i was leading i was behind the piano and leading and the altar was filled and i realized i could no longer feel my feet i'd been standing for four hours and you just lost track of time because you're just all you want is just more of that but I was afraid I was going to fall because you've, if you've ever had your feet go to sleep you know it's now you're walking like oh okay I don't know what I'm doing so I just looked at the sound guy and just went play a CD please do something because I've got to go sit down prop my feet up um alright um I remember uh, hearing about testimonies where in in the midst of a a revival, people would just wander in. I don't know why I'm here. I just felt compelled to come in. Isn't that what we want? Man, just where God's presence is so thick. What Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was lifted up, and he's never stopped drawing men to it. We get in the way sometimes. And our plans get in the way, but Jesus is still drawing men to him. Um, On the day of the um, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, there's a portion after he goes through the the first part of it, and um, he's weeping over Jerusalem. He said, I would have drawn you together as a hen draws her chicks, but you would have none of it. And he cried because they missed the time of their visitation, yes. Scripture says. And we need to be prepared so we don't miss the time. We don't need to be too busy or have our plans get in the way when God shows up. If God decides to do something unusual, even here today, let it be so. But you know what? Lunch doesn't matter. Lunch lunch will be postponed. You know what? Lunch will just be postponed because I'm hungry for His presence. All right. Then um, the fruit of revival. So that's kind of the roots. That's where it starts. There's conspicuous unity. And by that, it means everybody is welcome. Everybody is drawn. It's not this denomination has their own little secret thing and this denomination, their little secret thing. It is conspicuous unity, that sense of community. And in Scripture, we know this. Scripture even says they'll know we are Christians because we have love for the brethren, and I, I want to be kind but when I go out on Facebook I see a lot of opposite of that can I just be kind and say it that way but I see a lot of garbage people talking about other people brethren against brethren it's not even talking against someone who's lost we 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 have an autoimmune disorder within the body of Christ we're eating ourselves I'll move on. Um, Fruit of the Spirit evidence where that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of that's demonstrated when you're in the midst of revival. And it all comes with a great humility. Oh, fruit of revival, that's just the other things that we hear about, the deliverances that happen, the miracles, the healings, the salvations, and the messiness. Revival can be messy. And, and we as leadership, as elders and pastors, we want to steward without control. Can I, can I explain that? We want to steward what's going on so to make sure that Jesus is honored and, and people enter, encounter him and not control it. But if you don't have some guardrails to keep us between the ditches, you can get off. And then there's Disorder. If you read about the Cane Ridge revivals which I didn't include that's what happened to them there was no control and things just went bizarre okay so I just want to assure you that we as elders that is one of our big concerns and we do we are doing the very very best we can we don't always get it right but we're doing the best we can here's another one they impacted culture or community you read about those, or I, I read those to you, what the revivals in the past and how half a million people were saved. And there were places where jails shut down because there was no crime. Yes. They impacted their culture. It, it really saddens me when you hear about these mega churches. They have 10, 12,000 people on a Sunday, yet in their neighborhoods, the crime rate's the same, the, the divorce rate's the same. Yep. And everything's the same yes. so what good are you doing okay and I'm not I'm trying not to speak against other brothers because maybe they're doing the best they, they can but I just want to call them up to another level I just want to call them up the other thing it does and we talked about this it spawns other revivals yes, that's the exciting thing so when I see something like Asbury happen I get excited because that tells me God wants to do it here and there and here and there and over there. It's just, it's an exciting time. If, you've, if you, um, for those of you who saw the Jesus Revolution, um, Greg Laurie, Pastor Greg Laurie, uh, came out of that. It was part of his story was in that. And um, he did an interview and they asked him, you know, what, what were the, some of the negative things? And he talked about the opposition they faced. The interesting thing was the opposition was not from the press. It wasn't from the lost. It wasn't from the community. It was from other religious groups. The number one. So understand, if you have other churches talking bad about you, you may be, man, right on the right track. Okay? Okay. So what does all this mean? What does it mean to me? Why don't you tell me all this stuff about... About revival because really I, I want you to get excited. I want you to get to that point where, Lord, please, you've you've got to. You've got to. Because I can tell you, as someone who's lived through it, if you've lived through a revival like that and you've seen God move, nothing else will satisfy. Plain church is good, and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna serve, but man, I'm ready for. God to move in a way that is, we can't control. <laughs> so I want you to be excited because I see God moving. He's moving already and I want us to be positioned where we move for us. I want us to be focused on that, where he's moving. We need to focus on what God's doing, not what he's not doing. I think we get so focused on the news and all the bad stuff that we forget what he's doing. We should be the happiest, most joyful, excited people around. Um, because your focus is going to affect your mindset and your mood and all of that. I want you to feel this sense of anticipation. That hope in God, that joyful Anticipation of good. And I want us to renew our commitment. And this is just repent, 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 repent. God, I'm sorry. Last week you had a bar set pretty high. When a leader can stand up and say, "I messed up," that that sets a high bar for the rest of us. Oh God, help me, because I think sometimes we we have I I, I call it a cone of guilt. You've got big things and you've got little things down here, and so I end up apologizing for little things. Oh, I'm sorry, John, I didn't say hello to you this morning. I'm sorry, Josh, I I didn't wish you happy birthday on your birthday. It's all these little, and we feel a little better because we're apologizing, we're repenting, but we've got this big thing hanging over our head, and it's big, and it's ugly, and I don't want to deal with it. I think that's what God wants us to deal with. Let's let's. Get the big things out of the way. Okay. And then press in. Press in. That Matthew 7, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. That's pressing in. Th- those are actually action verbs. Ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Press in. Um, because he gives the Holy Spirit without measure, it says in John 3. I want to read a very familiar p- verse, but there are verses after it that I want you to catch. This is Jeremiah 29, 11, which most of you probably recognize. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And that's oftentimes where we stop. But verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I love this verse 14. I will let myself be found by you. (laughs) That's huge. Um, I remember Carol's dad when he was alive. We would do Easter egg hunts at Mama and Papa's house. And all the kids would come over. But one of the things he would hide is money. He would take a dollar bill and roll it up and stick it over here. And all the little kids knew there was money out there. But then he usually had a 20. And he would hide it good. But the thing is, he never hid it so the kids could never find it. He just hid it so they had to search for it. God doesn't hide things from you. He hides them for you. So you will seek them out. Because if he it, if it makes everything easy, you know, what, what we obtain easily, we treat cheaply. If we go to the dollar store and buy something, I, you know, if it breaks, it breaks. But if I paid hundreds of dollars for something, I'm, I'm going to treat it more preciously. Does, is this making sense? So God hides things for you, but you're going to have to seek them out. Um, and then decide to have a revival of one. If it's just you, then be you and seek and press in and do all those things because I I have decided that's what I'm going to do. If it's just me, then it's just me. But who would say, you know what? I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll spend time. I'll interrupt my plans. I will do that. I will press in. I will commit to pray. If that's you, it, it, if that's you, I would, would you stand? You say, I'm going to press in more because I just want to pray for us. And, and, and another thing, in the pool, remember I was telling you, we had that pool going, and so we're all just kind of floating around. Well, one of the other games we would have would we would all of a sudden stop and turn around and face the other way and try to see how long it would take us to spin the other way. And so the water's pushing against you and you're struggling, but you're walking backwards and you're trying to get the water to change. And you may feel like that. You may feel like, man, everything is against me. And all of this, I'm getting all this resistance. And I'm just saying, keep walking. Keep walking because there are little people around us that we need to influence. They can't touch bottom yet. And they need us to create this vortex, so they can be carried along and swept up in your fervor and your passion for God. Um, <laughs> and then I, I'm sure there may be someone in here go, "Man, all you're talking about sounds good, but I just not there yet. I, 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 oh, I want to have that desire, and I've been there where it, it, you just." Man, I, I know I should be there. I know I should desire those things, but I, de- I desire the desire. Yes. If that's you, you're welcome. So let's stand up because I've been there. and I know what that's like where you just feel I'm, I'm dry and I know I shouldn't be because I know better. So Father, we just cry out to you because we don't want to do this in our flesh. But Father, we are going to take a step of faith because I know when we do that you're going to come and you're going to empower us, God. Holy Spirit, impart to us that desire for more of you. Yes. For more of you, Father. Let us know what, what stuff we need to lay down. Our lives are so full that if you came, there's no room for you. Show us, Lord. What we need to cut off, what we need to pluck out and throw away, so there's room for you to come and move. We will make room for you. We will make room for you. And Father, we repent. Repent. Like David said Search me, O God. Search me. Try me and know my mind. Show me if there's any wicked way in me. Let us deal with the stuff we need to deal with. Father, start with me. Start with me. Start with us. Hear our hearts, oh God. We cry out to you. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Let your name be great. I do want to just read the the song, read the words, just to let you know what's possible. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one, Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar when the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one? And we can see the gods are moving a mighty river through the nations. (laughs) Yes. And young and old will turn to Jesus. Fling wide, you heavenly gates. Prepare the way of the risen Lord. Open up the doors, let the music play, let the streets resound with singing songs that bring your hope, songs that bring your joy, dancers who dance upon injustice. Verse 3 said, Do you feel the darkness tremble? Oh, yeah. feel the darkness tremble when all the saints join in one song and all the streams flow as one river to wash away our brokenness. (laughs) Here we see that God, you're moving. A time of jubilee is coming when young and old return to Jesus. Fling wide, you heavenly gates. Prepare the way of the risen Lord. So, Lord, we just join with that. And we say, fling wide heavenly gates. Prepare the way of the risen Lord. Show us what to do, Father. Show us what our part is. We each have a part. There's none small. There's none small. If a group of college kids... Can fall on their faces and repent, and you show up mightily. Father, there's none too small. Yes. So we just cry out, Come, Lord, come, come, come Lord.
0: now, he's really doing some things in some hearts. And, but I also feel some of you going like, well, I'm not seeing anything. I was—I kind of had that happen to me before the first of the year. And I just had to go before the Lord and say, okay, God, then show me what's in my heart. No.
1: So for some of you, this is going to be that
0: we have to go through the list. He wants it all. Yeah. Yeah. I finally...
1: is not, He doesn't love you. Please don't hear that. He loves you so much. He just doesn't want to leave you where you are. There is nothing in Romans what shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Not your past. Not what you did yesterday. Not what you're going to do tomorrow. Nothing will separate you. But in Ephesians it says find out what pleases God you know my my children there's nothing that can make me not love my children but they don't always do what pleases me it's the same way we want to find out God what pleases you I'll be honest I don't really know how to end other than just, just proclaim a blessing Father, as a father in the house, I bless these that have stood and said, I want the desire. I want your presence. I want you. I want you. I want you. Father, hear from heaven. (laughs) Hear from heaven. As Solomon said, hear from heaven and answer our prayer. As we repent, hear from heaven and forgive them here from heaven Father may this be a day that some that some drive a stake in the ground and say never never again everything is toward you now
2: triumph My God will never
0: to God.